All right. Well, I'm going to get started. Thank you guys for coming to uh, the first panel of the uh, first day of uh, Comic-Con. i to scoot over now. Oh, sure. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about uh, comics and movies today, mostly comic book movies. Um, my name's Josh Dean. I'll be your moderator. I work with the Film House here in Greenville showing uh, independent movies. We've got uh, Matthew Smith here, uh, whose film Bee Sting is currently in production. Uh, based on his graphic novel, or uh, yes, series. yes, yes. Um, we've got Alan Swords here, professor from uh, Clemson University, who uh, bit of an expert. Yeah, I wouldn't say that, okay. but I'm, I'm happy to be here. All right, <laughs> excellent. And um, and the guy that just ran out was uh, Mark Johnson, who uh, works with me at the Film House, and he took a class in this one. So, all right, we are going to do a quick PowerPoint here um, that I stayed up all night doing, so you guys have to watch it. Um, comics and films go back really really far but there's a lot of areas we're not going to have time to cover animation um foreign uh comic book movies and foreign animation based on comic books um i just don't have time to cover all that in an hour so what we're going to do instead is talk about uh just good old american comic book movies um now the very first superhero to get filmed does anybody know who it was back in march of 1941 any guesses Flash Gordon, no. It was not Batman, good guess. It was not Superman, also a good guess. Anybody on the panel know? It was actually uh, Captain Marvel mm. uh, was the first superhero. Yeah, that's right. At the time, he was more popular than Superman. So, yeah, he got to the screen first. The animated Superman movie started about six months later. So, obviously, they were in production first. But, uh, yeah, he beat them to the screen. Um, all righty. So... If you're a kid in the 1940s, you actually have some pretty good selection for comic book serials. Um, Spy Smasher, you got Batman, the aforementioned, and you got Captain America. So, uh, you know, pretty exciting until you actually show up to the theater and you see Spy Smasher, Batman, and Captain America. So, uh, serials were known for their low production values and... Uh, Oh, hey. Excellent. Joined at the... We don't have room for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Um, obviously, these were cheapy. These were for kids. Uh, they focused mostly on the superheroes that didn't fly or have any superpowers. Uh, if you could throw somebody in a really cheap costume and have him knock some guys around, that was the best way to do it. Um, I consider this the Bronze Age of uh, comic book movies. It's kind of backwards from the way comic books have actually developed, I think. Um, in the 40s and 50s, you also had serials with Superman, Congo Bill, fan favorite, everybody? No? The Vigilante, still, uh, if anybody's a fan of Grant Morrison, Seven Soldiers of Victory, he was in there. Uh, you got uh, another Superman serial, Adam Man versus Superman. Blackhawks had their own serial, uh, and Superman versus the mole people. So as you can see, high adventure and excitement in the theaters when you come in. Then we get to the 60s. And uh, despite all indications to the contrary, it was not groovy because we only had one superhero movie in the 60s. Anybody know what it was? What it, was? it was Batman. That's right, 1966. Batman <laughs> was literally the only thing you could see in the theater that had a superhero in it. Um, Unless you liked Barbarella or something like that. But um, finally, we started getting to the Silver Age of comic book movies, which I consider the 70s and the 80s. Um, with this dude here, Superman the movie, You Will Believe a Man Can Fly. Finally, special effects started catching up to comic books. And it didn't look entirely ridiculous to have a guy flying around. Um, unfortunately, people didn't learn too many good lessons from this. The 80s were filled... Uh, well, Superman 2, I think we can all agree, that was, that was pretty good, right? Swamp Thing, yeah. Uh, Superman 3, Supergirl. Dina, the, the She-Devil, no. And uh, Howard the Duck. And Superman 4. So that almost killed the comic book movie uh, in the 80s. Uh, again, I don't know what anybody was thinking. There was a huge amount of cheesecake uh, in the comic book movies in the 80s. Um, with Sheena, Supergirl kind of leading the way, but Red Sonja was in there, and uh, uh, 
Adventures of Gwendolyn and Yik Yak Land. That's an obscure one. But, um, yeah, finally, to save the day, Batman comes in in 1989. I don't know about you guys, but my entire life is divided into pre-1989 and post-1989 because this is the summer Batman came out. Um, I was there opening day. I was very excited. Uh, to this day, remains in the top 50 grossing uh, comic book movies of all time. Um, or movies of all time, sorry, not just comic book movies. People realize, oh, we can we can do comic book movies pretty well. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, very popular. The Crow, extremely popular. Batman Returns, again, we're starting off pretty strong here. We're like, oh, The Mask, that grossed a lot of money. Sure, why not? Men in Black, also a comic book movie. Rocketeer, didn't, didn't do so well, but that's okay. And then the Batman Forever again. I think you're seeing a pattern here. As we go on through the decades... People just kind of lose their way a little bit, and uh, yeah, we get really bad versions of superheroes, um, <laughs> until this almost killed it again. Um, yeah, uh, Superman and Batman, despite being super popular, have almost killed comic book movies twice. My argument is the golden age doesn't really start uh, until 1998. Does anybody know what, it was kind of a small movie, but it was hugely successful, what it came out in 98. Um, the first successful Marvel movie. Blade. Blade, that is correct. So, uh, yeah. Um, oh, a picture of Blade was supposed to pop up there, but he decided not to show up. So, uh, yeah, uh, Blade showed, it got Marvel into the game. And I think, uh, as with any other business, when you have competition, things get better. So uh, Marvel, I think, really stepped up their game then uh, in the 90s and the early 2000s. I mean, even if they weren't good movies all the time, they were movies of comic book characters that we hadn't seen on the big screen ever. Uh, and then finally, we started hitting a great streak that continues and continues. Um, so with that, I think that also pushed DC to produce a little bit higher quality stuff. So you got the new Batman trilogy, uh, which I think everybody mostly enjoys, right? And, yeah, that brings us up to today. So Hollywood is mining uh, comic book stores still for ideas. And we were joined by uh, Mr. Rob Venditti, uh, who uh, is the author of uh, The Surrogates, uh, which was made into a major motion picture. And, uh, like I said, Mr. Smith here is in the process of having his uh, work uh, uh, adapted for the big screen. Um, So, uh, Rob, I'll ask you first. did you, uh, were you pleased with how it, with the translation? Uh, yeah, I mean, for, is this even on, Adam? I don't know if it's, where is that? He, he mic'd oh. up. Uh, I don't think any of it. Is it on? I think, yeah. Okay. All right. All right. You still have to talk loud. Okay. The, uh, Project, yes. Uh, all right. Okay. <laughs> yes, I mean, was I pleased with the outcome of the, of the movie and the adaptation? For me, it was obviously a lot different, but uh, I, did never expect it to be similar. Mm-hmm. You know, my approach to it was always if, if, for example, if like if I wrote a song mm-hmm. and you want to do a cover of my song and I told you your song had to sound just like my song, well, why would you want to do that, right? So True. when they came in, they said they wanted to do the movie. Uh, I didn't try to be overly involved with it. I didn't want them to feel like I was managing their creativity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I just sort of uh, got out of the way and let them do what they wanted to do and just sat back and enjoyed the process. So I had a really good time with it. And I certainly learned a lot about it. I mean, mm-hmm. the first time I went to the set, I thought that films were filmed in the order in which you watched them on the screen. Oh, like, right. that's how little I knew, uh-huh. right, about movies. So uh, just seeing the whole process of how something like that gets made uh, was very eye-opening for me. And, and so, yeah, I mean, I have nothing but positive memories about it. I, I do think that they they deviated from the book and, you know, lost some of that. But, yeah. again, that's fine. You that's know, fine It doesn't bother me. You know. If you had another crack at it, would you want to adapt it yourself? or? Uh... You know, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things, too, where um, for me to write a comic book, like I can blow up a city block, mm-hmm. and it costs me the same as if I write a scene of two people talking in a coffee shop, right? right. It's, the same, it's just ink on paper, mm-hmm. right? Hollywood's going to blow up a city block. It's going to cost them like several million dollars. You know? So to me, I didn't. I don't know that I would be in a position to be able to tell Disney if they want to make an $80 movie, how they're accurately going to make that money back. You right. know, like they, they know more about that than I do. Uh-huh. Presumably, like if, if I think I've got that all figured out, then I can pay the $80 million, But like I'm a little short right now. Right, so right. Disney, you go do what you want to do. You know? <laughs> so I don't know that I would want to be um, heavily involved in it. Uh, I don't know. You know, like I said, I have no regrets about it. It was a it was a 
real fortunate thing to have happen, and sure. I just sort of enjoyed it. That's cool. Now, seeing your stuff on the big screen, I mean, was that a unique thrill, I imagine? As yeah, well? I mean, I, you know, my wife and I, we went to the premiere, and so, you know, we went to the red carpet thing and all that, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that was cool. Uh, it was nice that, that they put my name and Brett Waddley's name in the opening credits, mm -hmm. as opposed to, like, the crawl at the end, which <laughs> right. you don't know. You know, they just say, you'll get credited where everybody else gets credited, uh -huh. or where the screenwriter gets credited, is, uh -huh. is how the contract read. So it could have been just the crawl at the end, but mm -hmm. now that it's in the opening credits, like that's always going to be there. Whenever they show it on TV or whatever, that's true. you know, the credits will be there. So that kind of stuff is a lot of fun. But um, to me, going to the set and watching like the, the, the prop people and how they work and the set builders and how they work. Mm -hmm. and, like at one point I went into the catering truck and just watched them cook lunch because I was, <laughs> it was like a, like a mobile home, like a mm -hmm. motor home. I mean, mm -hmm. but they converted it into a mobile kitchen. Yeah. And I've, I worked in kitchens a lot as a kid, and I was just fascinated with the quality of food that they were turning out of this little thing. So <laughs> to me, that was the most fun that I had out of the whole stuff. Nice, nice. Now, uh, Matthew, uh, yes. if, if you're a little more involved in the production of yours, correct? Yes, yeah. yes. So how's that been? I know you're not quite finished yet, whatever you're allowed to talk about. <laughs> I, I'm the guy cooking the food, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, we basically raised... Um, most of our funding through Kickstarter for mm. this. And um, I'm, I'm very much hands-on involved with everything. My sister is right here, Alicia, as well, and she's been helping with everything. We're actually working with uh, another producer and a um, director um, from Georgia, and they've been helping out a lot. But, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm there on set. I've been there on set every day except two days, actually. Mm. And I've done everything from, like, helped out with catering to holding boom mites to spraying blood on people to, I mean, literally everything. So... Mm. And, and, you know, I adapted the, my graphic novel, I adapted the script to the, the screenplay. So, and to add more stuff as well, because the, the story is only 45 pages, so I had to kind of flesh it out some. So, you know, I, you know, we've, we've all had a hand in helping out in different ways, but, you know, I did the whole script and everything, so I got to... <laughs> Guy yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's excellent. So, yeah, no complaints, I imagine. No, no. It, it's been it's been great, and it's um, you know, the artist uh, Jeremy Massey, he came out to the set for two days, and he filmed a little cameo in there and everything, and and he was really impressed because the director Will Grammer is carrying around a copy of the graphic novel oh, nice. constantly, okay. and and you know when he's going to film scenes, he flips through and looks at that panel mm -hmm. and is like, okay, let's shoot it like this because <laughs> they're trying to get it as close as possible, which is really awesome. Well, that is nice, yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to uh, open this up to everybody on the panel. Uh, favorite comic book movies? Uh, like, and I know we didn't even, I mean, my PowerPoint didn't even scratch the surface <laughs> of how many have actually come out, as, including things you don't, like Road to Perdition and History of Violence, movies you don't expect to be comic book movies. Um, but yeah, who wants to answer first? Mine's Superman too. You know, you mentioned up there. I nice. just I saw it in theaters at the right age. Mm -hmm. That uh, I honestly believed when he came out and he took a knee before Zod that like Superman had lost his powers. I did not know what the world was going to do now. You know, like I totally bought into it. And then when he grabs his hand and he breaks his hand and everything, you know, that's just a real fond memory I have of that. So. Um, I still watch it. If it's on TV, I'll still watch it to this day, you know? Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that's probably my favorite. Nice. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I think if we separate into superhero and comic book movies, uh, superhero-wise, for me, it would be Superman the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, I realize that's probably not, you know, the trendy answer, but I haven't really seen, uh, other than the recent Marvel ones, I haven't really seen... Uh, a film that I think does the the genre or the excuse me the the form of comic books as well as Superman the movie does. Uh, I I think they're all the Marvel movies are very 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 well made, um, and uh, I, I I think it's important too that you talk about or not that you talk about but that you know that you mentioned history of violence, Road to Perdition, mm -hmm. Ghost World, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> where they're really you know, you can see that Hollywood is looking for various projects to you know get on the screen, but you know it all kind of gets lumped together, I think, in the public with okay, well, it's a superhero movie I mean there's not but there's not but four superhero movies coming out this year, but if you're a critic and you want to lump them in with property films and animated films and things like that, it seems sort of overwhelming, but mm -hmm. I think it's important to keep those distinctions 
Yeah. Um, it, it, that's tough because there's been so many good ones. But, <laughs> you know, I, I have to go with the answer I've had for years. And I, I love the original Ninja Turtle movie. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I was 11 when that came out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'd read the black and white comics at the time, but I also was a big fan of the cartoon. And it was a good mix of the two, I thought, you mm -hmm. know. So it, it did appeal to the comic fans in a way, but also maintain that the cartoony aspect and everything, too. And Absolutely. Yeah, I still, you know, I mean, I, I'll see movies to this day, and I'm like, that's a good comic movie. And I'm like, but I still love, you know, I mean, I... Yeah. It's I, no Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah, a, a friend of mine and I, we, you know, would constantly recite that Raphael, Casey line back and forth, you know, when they first meet. I mean, I, I just love it. But if I was going to do also, like, comic book non-superhero related movie, I mean, that's a tough one at the call as well, but I... That's a toss-up between uh, The Crow and Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah, Scott Pilgrim. Um, yeah. You know, I thought... The Crow, obviously, you know, it, it you know, it, it was just great. It mm -hmm. gave people a different perspective of comic book movies and everything. And, Absolutely. And, you know, tried to remain as, as, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking Faithful for? Faithful to the Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, as they movie. could, given what they had to do mm -hmm. due to Brandon Lee's passing. And, um, but as far as Scott Pilgrim, I thought they were really creative with making it look as much like the comic as possible with all mm -hmm. the effects and everything. So, yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I was wondering if there were any properties that have not been adapted that you guys would like to see also. There's this uh, graphic novel that Top Shelf did called Infinite Kung Fu. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you guys know that. Oh, yeah. But it's great. Yeah, I think that would make a really cool, uh, really cool adaptation. Nice. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I, if I had to just... Say something off the spot. I'd really love to see uh, Craig Thompson's blankets. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely. Uh, I agree with both those. And again, another top shelf. And that I, I, um, I told Alex Robinson years ago, I'd love to see box office points yeah. as, like, oh, yeah. as yeah. a movie or a TV show, even yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I, we went back and forth in the emails for a while talking about, oh, who should play so and so? You know, kind <laughs> yeah, of, I mean, those things. I worked at Top Shelf, you know, but yeah. I, I don't know if the rest of you guys know. But I, I started out working at Top Shelf's mailroom. And I worked there for the company for about 12 years. And all of those things came around at different points or another. Tricked, you know, yeah, Too yeah. Cool to be Forgotten, Blankets. And I think that would be a really good stuff. movie, yeah. Too Cool to Too, be Forgotten. Yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, It's just, you know, it's more than anything else, it's honestly uh, a lot of luck, you know, mm -hmm. in, in getting something adapted. And a lot of people will ask, you know, well, how do I get a movie made? And it's a true story. Uh, the surrogate screenplay got turned in. Uh, finished the finished draft of the screenplay got turned in like a week before the big Hollywood strike that one year oh. where all the screenwriters went on yeah. strike and so Bruce Willis was supposed to go do this movie Pinkville with Oliver Stone mm. who's in the Writers Guild so when the strike happened that scrapped Pinkville and now Bruce Willis didn't have anything to act in <laughs> but he liked sci-fi okay. surrogates was one of the very few scripts that was in a finished stage in all of Hollywood at that point oh, wow. and now surrogates gets made so it's like if you want to get your movie made make sure there's a writer's strike <laughs> you know what I mean it's like I mean, it's just right place, right time. You know? Nice. Right. All right. Um, I was wondering, uh, the audience, first of all, had any questions for any of our panelists? Uh, no, and it, actually, it's funny. It's another true story. Back when I wrote uh, the story, when I wrote Surrogates, I was working in Top Shelf's Warehouse. Surrogates was my first book. I didn't know anything about comics. I was writing in a vacuum. I didn't know any artists. I didn't know anything. But comic book movies had first started to get popular. Mm. Um, like the X-Men had done well, and Spider-Man 1 had done well, and then 30 Days at Night had just sold, and it was like a big news story because this was like, to my memory, you probably remember better than me, but to my memory, it was the first sort of big non-Marvel DC that went for a lot of money, and it was like, oh, wow, this is going to get bigger than just you know the main superheroes that everybody knows. And so I was talking to my wife, just being funny. We didn't even have a publisher for the book yet, you know? And uh, if we were going to... If this movie was going to get made, who do you think would be good as the lead? And we both said Bruce Willis because he's one of the very few guys that could can do action but could also – a big part of the book is this relationship with his wife and they sort of have this estranged relationship. The technology has sort of distanced them and, and whatnot. And he's one of the few guys I think that can credibly do action but credibly do like that kind of emotional marriage type stuff. And so uh, years later, you know, uh, they casted him in the role and it was kind of – Funny that that all turned out the way it did, but um, as far as who were people that were in the running for other things, I don't even know, to be honest with you. They took one of the characters and they made the character 
in the book was a, was uh, Bruce Willis's partner in the book was a guy, and they asked me who I wanted to play that role, and I said Nathan Fillion. But and it turned out that the producer was actually really good friends with Nathan Fillion. This was uh, after Firefly, before Castle, and I don't even know that he was doing a whole lot at that particular moment. But he was good friends with him. But it ended up they changed that character into a female actor and ended up being played by Rada Mitchell. And that was the only thing they ever really asked me about any of that. So they liked my suggestion so much they changed the character's gender. <laughs> <laughs> any uh, any other questions? Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, me personally, uh, new, yeah. Uh, Christopher Nolan, I had a lot more faith in. Uh, Zack Snyder, not so much. Um, but I mean, I want to be proven wrong. That's the thing. Like, I mean, I want comic book movies to turn out well. I don't want to see anybody fail, you know. But uh, honestly, I never saw Man of Steel, so I, I can't even comment realistically. I just. Uh, I had a bad smell from it and decided to stay away from it. Um, but, I mean, it did huge numbers at the box office, so I'm imagining they're going to give him the helm for quite a while, uh, at least up through Justice League. So, um, fingers crossed that he'll have good input from good collaborators and turn out a good product, but I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't think the leadership at DC is strong enough right now to put out a quality product the way, I mean, <clears throat> like it or not, DC and Marvel have been competitors since the 60s. Uh, I mean, you know, in the Silver Age forward. And, you know, I don't know uh, Kevin Feige, however you say it. I'm not sure how you say his name. But he's really seems like a guy who has a plan and knows where he wants to go. Now, I don't know if Guardians of the Galaxy is going to work. Uh, but right now Marvel is building a track record not unlike Pixar at Disney, where people say, okay, well, if it's by Marvel Studios, then it must be, you know, at least pretty good. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas uh, Snyder, to me, you know, his films are just doing this. <laughs> uh, I, I, I thought Watchmen was okay. Uh, I, I recall enjoying 300, although I don't know that I ever want to see it again. <laughs> but <clears throat> I just feel like Snyder, it's not just Snyder, it's, it's the whole company. Um, I don't think they really know, they they talk a good game, but I don't think they really know how to do what even Marvel is doing. Uh, and you see it too. Look at Marvel's Ultimate line. DC tries to copy it in a way with their All Star line, and other than Superman, that was a complete disaster. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't think Rob's going to answer this question. No, that's fine. <laughs> what was the question originally? Uh, I'll answer it. What was the Zach question? Just if you think Zack Snyder's going to be okay uh, with DC's properties. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have not seen Watchmen. Mm -hmm. So, I'm like you, I saw 300 and I remember liking it. I don't know if I can name other movies that he's done. Mm -hmm. um, Man Sucker of Steel, punch. I did see. <laughs> he did Dawn of the Dead, the remake. Okay, I, yeah, I can't. I don't watch horror. <laughs> yeah. uh, I get nightmares terrible, so I don't watch <laughs> horror. But um, I did see Man of Steel. Okay. Yeah. And... There was a couple of moments in Man of Steel that I thought were actually extremely good. Mm -hmm. I don't, did you see Man of Steel? Yeah, like I the did. scene where I'm gonna. This is a spoiler, but the scene where Kevin Costner goes up in the tornado and he like tells him not to come out and get him. I was like, wow, that was I think, a pretty amazing scene right there. You yeah, know? I think so. I think Man of Steel suffers from the same problem right now I have with Spider Man. I think it's excellently cast. I like the actors playing all the roles. Uh, I just don't feel like there's, you know, a rudder to the ship mm -hmm. to steer them in the right direction. But, yeah, there, there are parts of Man of Steel that I liked. But um, ultimately, the, what happened there at the end, that's a no-no for me. So <laughs> um, Superman does not do certain things. Oh, I see. Okay, and yeah. Uh, yeah. so once, it, once that happened, yeah. that shredded all, almost all credibility yeah. of the movie for me. I haven't seen Man of Steel, so yeah, I, mean, I, I can't weigh in too much on that. You know, I mean, do you know what the thing is? That yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think I think you can go for shock value, and I think that works. But I think it also sort of ignores the core of the characters. I mean, you look at Joss Whedon, who you know is pretty popular, very very talented, has a huge following. But I think he, he understands not only what he's doing as an artist, but the source material he's working with. And it's not that he's slavishly, you know, appealing just to fanboys, quote-unquote. Uh, 
you can't make the money that that Avengers made or or the Dark Knight made for that matter without having massive crossover appeal. There's just there's just not enough of us, you know, pure comics folks in the world to generate that kind of box office. So, you know, I think it just feels like DC is saying, "Oh, oh, well, it'd be great. Let's have Wonder Woman." And, uh, oh, well, we, we can we put in Green Lantern? I mean, it, you know, has the stink worn off from that? <laughs> um, and I just it's just it's just, comes off as desperate to me. Too much, too soon. Trying to really rush it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, if you'd have said to me, "Well, Marvel's going to start with Iron Man and, and get to where they are now," I would have been incredulous. <laughs> but I yeah, mean, no. I, mean, I, I, I admire them for what they tried and what has worked. I mean, they invented it, right? I mean, has that ever been yeah. done before? No, that no, kind of interlocking, no. you know, mm-hmm. to the point where I will say, like, I, I haven't. I've seen a few of the Marvel movies. I'll get to the movies as much as I would like, but I, I saw. I did not see Thor one, but I saw Thor two, and I actually thought Thor two was very alienating. Like, I did not know anything that was going on because I hadn't seen the first movie. Uh-huh. And then at the end, when they had the scene with the guy, and I don't know a lot about continuities, so. I don't know who the character is, but the guy where they bring him, like, the thing at the end. The collector. Okay. Yeah. I was like, oh, I just watched a two-hour trailer for something that's going to involve that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it felt like to me because I didn't understand what the movie was about. Cause, and I know that's on me for not seeing Thor 1, but I should be able to see. If I haven't seen Superman 1, I could see Superman 2 and know what's going on, right? Mm. Thor 2, I felt very alienating until the end where I was like, wow, they're really trying to almost force this shared mm-hmm. universe deal where I'm now supposed to care that there's this guy's collecting stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So I wonder if that'll start to, because you're right, the earlier movies had this cross appeal. Well, yeah, I mean, Iron... well, the, is there a risk of diminishing that to some extent? Maybe you know. We'll, we'll see. They they have yeah. uh, something like 18 movies. I know, uh, yeah. uh, the yeah. the head of Marvel Studios has an entire you know roadmap of where he wants to go. He yeah. hasn't said everything about it, but we'll see what happens. Mm. And I see. I think that's where maybe I was a little different with Thor too, because I know about more about Marvel than I do about DC. Yeah. And I, I felt that Thor 2 was, was vastly different from Thor 1. I thought Thor 2 was better, really? surprisingly, yeah, yeah. than Thor 1. But I, I felt like you could go into it and see it without really having seen the first one. But then maybe it's because I know a little bit about Thor from the comics. Yeah, I don't know anything about see, Thor. Yeah. Like, my kid so, was next to me. And that's why I'm specifically bringing this up because he's talking about crossover appeal, right? Yeah. Like, I know nothing about Thor. Yeah. And my kid was explaining to me, like, what's going on and who, <laughs> what this stuff is. I mean, I literally, I was lost. I couldn't make any sense of it. So. See, I, but on, they on had the seen same, Thor 1. Yeah. On the same token, I know people who saw Avengers. They saw that end scene, and they, they knew, of, you know, I, I know comics. They're like, who is that guy, you know? And I said, well, that's Thanos. And so they went and started reading, you know, Infinity yeah, yeah. Gauntlet and yeah. all this Infinity War and all this, trying to figure yeah. out. This guy, and they're like, oh, man, this stuff's going to happen maybe in the movies? You know? Yeah, but I would say that Avengers didn't feel like a two-hour build-up to that climax of a guy, of Thanos. Mm, right. You watched a two-hour movie that resolved itself, and then you saw Thanos. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thor 2 was like two hours, and then the whole thing they're fighting over the whole time ends up with some dude that you have not seen until the end. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I was all well, about getting to that point. You well, know I, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw Winter Soldier this week. And it was it was great fun. I, I like both Captain America movies, uh, but you sometimes you get the sense that okay, now that the Avengers has happened, why aren't the other Avengers coming and helping Captain yeah, America yeah. or whomever when he's yeah. having trouble? I mean, you know, of course, yeah. you can suspend disbelief on that, but uh, I th- I still think probably a lot of audience folks are going, well, you know, why didn't Iron Man help him out? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, I've i wondered that myself ever since you know some of those they you know what maybe ten years ago or so when they first started putting out the really good quality animated mm-hmm. movies. Mask of the Phantasm. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, oh, I thought Batman Under the Red Hood was great, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I've wondered that too. Like, why aren't these guys, you know, writing the scripts and/or directing some of the live action stuff? Yeah, I mean, you got you got three creators that you can tie to DC's animated out. Out with it. If they were hired this week, I would say, "All right, I want to see what they're going to do." And Bruce Tim, he's he's the he's the 
sort of the guru of that universe, but he also had Paul Dini writing for him, mm-hmm. and Darwin Cook was heavily involved uh, in Batman Beyond, um, amongst other things. And so um, all those still hold up really well, Justice League, Superman the Animated Series, Batman the Animated Series. I mean, I think uh, with Dwayne McDuffie, I would also, yeah. I mean, you uh, know, rest his soul. But, he's uh, not with us anymore, sadly. Yeah. Big part of that, the animated stuff success. Um, I feel like those really appeal to the core. Um, I, I don't know of any big crossover successes necessarily that have happened with the animated films um, where they've caught on popularly um, with people outside the comic book field uh, or fans. Um, so I wonder what it would take to get somebody's attention, you know, to, to move that over, um, to get them involved. I don't know. I think the TV department for uh, Warner Brothers, too, is actually doing a decent job right now with Arrow and Flash and Gotham doesn't look great, but I'm going to hope it's going to be all right. But I feel like they're trying to build a cohesive universe in the TV series anyway. So um, I don't know. There are glimmers of hope. You know, I I think they can turn it around in the movies, too. But yeah, I I think Marvel's uh, idea of hiring kind of auteur directors is probably a really good direction to go in you know just people with strong visions that you don't necessarily associate with action movies i mean Um, comic book movies are like anything else there's really really good ones and there's really really bad ones and you know we shouldn't have to be waiting for instance for a black widow movie or you know (laughs) a black widow and maria hill kind of story just because Electra was terrible right (laughs) um you know, if that was the standard, well, then why did we make one after Green Lantern? Uh, that could have shut the whole industry down too. But uh, I think it's definitely the talent you have and the people you involve. You can't just say, "Okay, well, I'm going to put a name on it, and people will show up," because they, they won't. It's enormously hard to make. I don't think people appreciate how enormously hard it is to make a movie and have it come out well. Right. Sure. You know, yeah. Enormously yeah. hard. I mean, so many steps and a lot of. Um, you know, the the money people have a big say in how things get done, too. And, I mean, they're trying to – corporations are trying to protect their copyrights and things. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's harder to make a good movie than, a, you know, than almost anything. Um, now, kind of – you're kind of working outside the Hollywood system yeah. here. So, uh, way, way outside. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, have you, like – have you ever wished, like, oh, man, I wish we had that oh, absolutely. multi-million dollar budget? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think with nearly everything I've written or done, like, you know, sometimes when I'm, I'm writing, I'm kind of thinking, like, man, if this were a TV show or movie, it'd be cool to have so-and-so play this part, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So, yeah, that would be great, and it, it would would have made things a lot easier as far as <laughs> trying to find locations and, and effects and everything, but... At the same time, it's it's been a lot of fun being that involved mm. and, and seeing what we could do based on the limited budget we did have, mm-hmm. and then look going back and looking at the final edited you know uh, clips and everything, and like man, that turned out a lot better than I thought. <laughs> and I got to kind of like not think about like how we did it. Like mm-hmm. I got to go into it as someone who doesn't know that what we use for certain things. Like oh, that looks like that looks fake, you know. <laughs> but but no, so but. Yeah, of course, it would be great if I had something like that, but I don't know. It's been a great experience, and I wouldn't change for anything in the world. It's We've been filming over the past, like, month and a half, mainly just on weekends, and, and it's, you know, it's been long and crazy. It's like we had some 18-hour days filming, you know, and <laughs> and it's been tough, but it's everybody's been great, and it's been a lot of fun, and everybody's excited, so. Cool. Um, for people, uh, describe the movie for people. It's, it's kind of like a a nod to 80s slasher movies but there's a lot of humor in it as well so it's it is horror rob but there's some funny parts yeah. so. i mean i enjoy it when i see it it's just the aftermath i can't handle. yeah like i watched like the first couple episodes of walking dead like in a little mini marathon when it first right. came on i watched like the first three back to back to back and i was like man this is awesome and i didn't sleep for like a week <laughs> you know? so it's not even that i don't like the stories i do it's just i have a hard time with it it's it's basically about these group of kids that are going to summer camp to be camp counselors and um one of them gets stung by a bee and they think she might be allergic so they're trying to rush her to the hospital and they get lost along the way and they meet some redneck cannibals and one of them is dressed like santa claus and uh it's it gets really crazy it the story and the movie really starts out 
not like a horror movie at all, and it takes this bizarre turn. And actually, some guy that reviewed it, you know, me and when me and Jeremy first self-published this before it got picked up by a publisher last year, some guy reviewed it, and he said, it's like John Hughes started a script, and then Toby Hooper came in and finished it up. <laughs> and I was like, that is awesome. That's the, that's the best compliment anyone has ever given me. So, it, But it's been a lot of fun, and we've, you know, there's so much humorous stuff in it. We've added more to it, you know, like, oh, what if we do this? This would be bizarre, you know? But, but yeah, so it, it's a lot of fun, and it's, yeah, it's horror, and there's a lot of nods and stuff like Friday 13th and Texas Chainsaw and you know, Creep Show and Children of the Corn, but there's a lot of funny parts in it as well. So, nice. Yeah. Excellent. I want to see it. Um, let's see. So when you guys are writing, um, uh, do you think cinematically, like when you were writing the Surrogates or you were writing Beast Sting, were you thinking like, oh, man, I'm writing this because I want it to one day be a movie? Or do you just make it its own thing and hope one day maybe it gets adapted? For me, I mean, I, the surrogates being my first book, all I thought that would happen was that I would write it. I hoped somebody would publish it. Mm -hmm. I felt certain nobody would ever read it, mm -hmm. but yeah. I would have a resume piece that I could give to other people and say, here's how I write, you know, and I pitch you on stuff. That's right. all I thought would happen. I never thought it would be made into a movie or any of that kind of stuff. So mm -hmm. I think that you should just write the story. If you want to write a, if you want to make a movie, go write a movie. But mm -hmm. if you want to write a comic, make it a comic, and the story will be will come out as a good comic that then somebody will want to maybe make a movie out of. But you, if you try to have an idea, like a lot of people, I think, well, well, I can't make a movie. I really want to make a movie, and I can't, so I'm going to do a comic because comics are easy, and I can do that. And then you end up making a crappy comic, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I think mediums work for the way they work, and certain stories are good for them for, for reasons. And so if you're writing a story in the comics medium, you should try to do what, what comics does best. And then if if film comes along, They'll use it to try to do what film does best. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, growing up, I wanted to make comics and I wanted to make movies. Okay. So, I mean, I, but uh, comics was always my first love. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm writing, you know, I'm, if I'm writing a comic script, I'm writing a comic script. But I realized that when I, because I, I, I wrote uh, several screenplays, you know, that have never done anything mm -hmm. over the years. <laughs> but I realized that writing a comic script and a movie script, they're really not that much different as far as like layouts and everything. You know, you're talking about scene layouts and panel layouts and mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And, and they're really, they don't differ that much. So it was really easy for me to adapt Beasting. And originally I even, I didn't even write that as a comic script or a, a movie script. I wrote it as a, a short story. Yeah. And um, I actually, and this is the one and only time it's ever happened to me. I had a dream and I saw it playing out in my dream. <laughs> And the next morning when I woke up, I was like, I got to write this crazy mess down, you know? <laughs> so I wrote, I, w I was at work and I was like, I'm not working today. I'm doing this. <laughs> so I wrote this like 25 page short story and uh, I did it at work that day. And then I sent it to like my family and friends. And I was like, Hey, read this, tell me what you think. And they were like, Oh yeah, that's cool. And, and then, you know, like a, a year later or so I was talking to my friend, Jeremy Massey and we, he wanted to do a horror comic, and I said, well, I got this short story. I could have easily adapt into a comic script, mm -hmm. and then it just went from there, you know? So, so, yeah, I mean, that one actually didn't start as either one, you know? But a lot of my stories, uh, in my head, I'm kind of like, well, you know, I could, this can work as a, as a novel or a novella or, you know, a script for a comic or a, a, a screenplay or whatever. But I, I love comics, and that's, you know, it, it's easier for me to do a comic script and then either draw it myself or find an artist, you know, and then go from there and see what happens. But, you know, because I, I have other comics. My, I have a series, Simon Says, that it would be a great TV show, I think, you know, or really cool. It's very serialized, and, and it's like a teen comedy drama thing. But, you know, I did it as a comic because it it's really easy to go ahead and get it out there that way, you know. And, and I always envisioned it as a comic to begin with. Mm. So. Oh, cool. Excellent. Um, want to open it back up a little bit too? If you guys have any questions for anybody, yeah, hold on, you and then you, yeah, yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. I don't care if you spoil it. Yeah, I don't know. care. But ask everyone it, in the room. Yes, has sure. everybody seen that or not seen that? And if you don't want to, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I noticed that. And I mean, I saw some of the still shots, and it was like, well, the clothes she's wearing, you kind of know what's going to happen because that's very, you know, you can easily tell, you know, from that scene, you know, that's a very recognizable scene, and she's wearing the same outfit, you kind of knew. But I, I guess comic fans would know, but the average 
you know, moviegoer wouldn't know. I mean, it didn't bother me. I mean, I, I, I guess I kind of felt that it was inevitable that they do that because it's such a powerful and great story. You know, I, I mean, whether they did it in the second movie or the fourth movie or, you know, whatever, I kind of felt it was coming. And it didn't bother me that, that I kind of knew because I was, like, looking forward to seeing how they did it, if they did it like the comic and if, you know, if they put a different spin on it or whatever. Because, or, you know, there's always that question of, man, I'm, I don't know, if you haven't seen it, you know it by now. But Oh, that scene. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Gwen. I'm sorry. Oh, well, I guess, I'm sorry. I misunderstood. I guess I was only disappointed that that was all we saw of it because I thought there was going to be a lot more than that. I mean, I thought it was cool, but I was thinking, okay, well, you know, my, and my youngest son was sitting there the whole time, like, asking, when's Rhino coming? When's Rhino coming? I'm like, I don't know, bud. So and he's then, not in the movie, really? He's, he's in it before he gets the Rhino suit at the beginning, and then at the end, he has the suit, and it stops right before they start fighting to lead into the next movie. So, I mean, he's in, a, in the Rhino suit that he has in there, the big... Not the standard comic Rhino suit, but the big mechanical-looking one for about maybe 30 seconds, maybe a minute tops. So, I don't know. It, it was disappointing not, that I didn't see more, but it was cool, <laughs> and it's a good, you know, thing to get you ready for the next one. So the Sinister Six movie. Yeah, I guess. yeah. I think that was a problem with the marketing too. I, I don't, I don't know if any of the rest of you, but it seemed like every week on Twitter or somewhere, I was reading that another 30 minutes had been shown somewhere. And I kept thinking, well, you know, have they just shown the whole movie in, in various parts uh, around the country? Because, you know, granted, I'm I'm old, but uh, I I think we get too much before. And I realize if you're going to spend that kind of money, you have to have marketing. You have to get your message out there. But um, it's almost, I think, sometimes better if I haven't seen a bunch of trailers and I haven't seen a bunch of footage uh, before I go see a movie. No, I, I totally agree on that. Yeah, especially like when you see it so many times and there is something funny or, or something really cool. By the time you see it in theater, like, I've seen this a dozen times already. It's not funny anymore, you know, or right. something like that. Especially if you go to the movies a lot and, and the trailers get programmed a lot on the kind of movies you go to. You mm-hmm. see that and you get in the movie and you're like, okay, yeah, yeah, can we get on to something that I don't know about? <laughs> and I think that's a, probably an unintended consequence of the marketing that, that Hollywood and studios and even independent films feel like they have to do to get, get, to get their message out, get it, you know, people come see their product. One thing that I've noticed about films, I would actually like your guys' opinion on this. You were talking about the first Batman movie, right, in 89, which I love too. I thought mm-hmm. it was great. Yeah. Like the first Batman movie was Batman versus Joker. Mm-hmm. And the second Batman movie was Batman versus Penguin and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And then it was Batman versus, I can't even remember. but it, Two-Face, Two-Face and, and Riddler. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it, and then it got, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. and the Spider, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie seemed to do the same thing. That mm-hmm. By the end, it was Sandman and Hobgoblin and what. Mm-hmm. And now in this new Spider-Man movie, it looked like it was going to be Rhino and Electro. And it seemed, to me, it always seems like the movies get worse when they take it away from one hero, one villain, right? They, right. they start to split the story among too many yeah. different people. Why do they keep doing that? You know, uh, like, what I do you, know. The, I mean, do you guys feel the same way? I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. It's desperation, I think. You know, oh, oh, well, we've gotten them to come see this. Uh, there's still this huge, uh, there's still this huge stigma attached to comic book films. And now, granted, it's not as big as it was. I mean, you know, you, you read on the, on the net all the time, well, the nerds won. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I just think it's a desperation. Okay, well, we got them to come see this. Well, so we got it. The second one has to be bigger and better and, and more and more. Yeah. And yeah. It yeah. doesn't doesn't really work. It's never worked, but they keep doing it. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Well, every, like, I feel like Nolan did a good job with the Dark Knight trilogy of putting two villains in each movie and giving them both drift. You know, like, uh, you know, Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow in the first one and then um, uh, the Harvey, you know, Two-Face and um, Joker in the second uh, I was a little felt we got a little shortchanged on Two Face in the second one, but still, like I, I appreciated the journey of that. Um, so every time someone does one of those well, then you've got a dozen people thinking they can pull it off too by just slapping a bunch of characters in there and hoping a good actor can pull off. So I mean, Paul Giamatti, great actor, but uh, if you don't give him any screen time, he's not going to flesh out the Rhino character. You know, <laughs> not that there's much to that character to begin with, but um, yeah. Uh, I was wondering, do you guys, um, would you rather see movies exactly like the comic books, or would you rather see them change something? Yeah. It'd be like the comic 
I think we're, or at least I hope we're kind of beyond that. I, that's, that's, you know, with this, the amount of quote-unquote comic book movies we have, I think the novelty is worn off mm-hmm. for hardcore fans. Yeah. I mean, you know, okay, a, movie, a comic book movie is starting on Friday. Well, if you told me that in the 80s <laughs> or the 90s, uh, that, you know, that's something to get really, really excited about. Now, you know, there's four or five a year, and so you can be a, a lot more selective. But, I mean, Walking Dead is a perfect example. If you read the Walking Dead comic book and you watch the Walking Dead show, uh, there's lots of differences in it. In it. Yeah, sure, there's nods, but... I mean, if you know what's coming, um, adaptations aren't as fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Potter, great series of movies, very, very profitable. But if you read the books, you knew what was coming. So um, I, I, I think they kind of have to stray slightly just because, I mean, we're talking 50, 60 years of continuity. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if they want to do a particular story and say they haven't even introduced certain characters that were in that original story in there, I mean, then they have to deal with, okay, we have to introduce this character and give backstory on that and then we can start doing this so it just becomes a, a lot and overwhelming so i feel like yeah i mean if the characters are basically you know the same personality and and the you're if you're adapting somewhat of the of a major storyline at least the core concepts are still there mm-hmm. you know i mean i don't i don't mind the changes and i feel i can tell they're necessary especially you know with, with marvel you know like they want to do certain storylines you know with the uh the whole avengers universe and everything but you know they can't really do certain storylines if they, you know, if they if it involves Spider-Man or Wolverine or the X-Men mm-hmm. or anything. So they kind of have to change stuff here or there, you know. And it, I, I see why some people do get aggravated, but <laughs> at this point now, just like you said, it's 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 been so long, well, so know, many movies. I mean, just like Guardians of the Galaxy, um, I think if Marvel had not generated all that goodwill, not just among fans, but among you know families, demographics, whatever, whoever's coming to those movies. Um, that's not, that's not if, you, you know, if you told me, okay, there's going to be a Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I would have said, oh, well, that's an interesting choice, and you know, just kind of shrug my shoulders. But I think with the quality that they have achieved in some of their movies, then I'm hoping that's going to be good, even though um, <laughs> you know, if, there, if there's people that don't know who you know, main Spider-Man villains are, I don't, I don't know that they're going to know who the Guardians of the Galaxy are. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, will you know will Bradley Cooper as a raccoon cut it? I don't I don't know. <laughs> so you had a question. Right? Well, I actually have a question. Oh, I think yeah, for sure. I mean, um, like I said, it's taken a long time to overcome the idea of comic book movies being for kids. Like, like I said, back in the '40s and '50s, they just peeped out on them, didn't bother with writing, didn't bother with effects. Um, and, uh, cause they, they figured out ah, kids won't know the difference, but now they've realized the money potential and getting it to adults too. And I think they're trying to throw some more talented writers at it to kind of flesh people, you know, things out. I still feel like sometimes it falls short though. I don't know. Like if they just want to shoehorn in a character, um, like the collector or Rhino or somebody, then yeah, it, uh, yeah, why would you care if you didn't know who they were already? Um, it's almost like sometimes they lean a little bit too heavily on people knowing the comics yeah. and bringing what they already know to the character. You know, um, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I I love the X Men movies, but I, you know, and I have X Men characters that are my favorite, and then sometimes when I've seen them, just there's no development. They just show up and use their power, and then they get killed or they're gone. I'm like, oh, but we didn't, you know, get any of that. So I I feel like they've kind of, you know lost over a lot of characters because they put so many characters in the how many what five or six movies they've done now you know Mm -hmm. it's i mean and yeah there's tons of x-men characters but i would like to see some of those have their time to shine Mm -hmm. but at the same time like i think marvel with you know building up to the avengers has done a pretty good job of that because Mm -hmm. they've allowed the individual movies to kind of establish who those characters are and then by the time we get to avengers you know if you've seen those you you know who captain america is and what's going on in iron man everything so now you're just really getting to how are they going to interact with each other and, you know, get to the big juicy parts? That's what we want to see. Not introducing each individual character and everything. That's going to take forever, you know. So that that method that they've been doing, I think, has been pretty good. So they, they've really only had to concentrate on on what maybe introducing Hawkeye somewhat, mm-hmm. you know, because even Black Widow was kind of introduced in Iron Man 2. And, mm-hmm. So, yeah. 
there's that aspect. I think they've done a good job with kind of avoiding that and, and allowing some character development, build it up, you know, building up to that. Which is what worries me about Superman, Batman, like putting so many other yeah. characters in there. I would yeah. just rather them have their own yeah. little yeah. movie yeah. and yeah. build up. It also feels like Superman, Batman is being put out there or, or run by people who are just writing on the fly. Oh, would this be, you know, it's almost like fans <laughs> are making that movie. And uh, for whatever talent Snyder may have, uh, you know, it just feels like okay, we'll 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 throw this and we'll st- we'll see what sticks and see what works, and and that's not that's not development, that's not that's not the the writing you're you're talking about. It's kind of like when you're playing toys and you're a kid. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're like Superman's yeah. fighting so and so. Oh, and then Spider Man's gonna come yeah. in, and he's that's gonna what jump it feels in like. There. <laughs> uh, we're almost out of time. Were there? I saw another question. I thought from over this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's it's not that Superman has never killed. Um, if you just go back to post Man of Steel with John Byrne, uh, when he left those books, uh, Superman had killed somebody, and they had that big story exiled, where Superman was so guilty over this, you know, this one uh, killing that he committed that he exiled himself to space. Uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, you know, that's that's a huge, you know, conundrum about should he or shouldn't he um, at the end of that story with, with Mixelplick. And, <laughs> yeah, Mitzel, Mix, and, yeah, he has to say it backwards to get rid of him. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It just, it feels right. I mean, the way Superman works, in in my very humble opinion, is he is the most powerful being in the universe. Um, Frank Miller, drunk craziness aside, um, he's the most powerful being in the universe, and he can do anything he wants. And so without having at least some kind of limitation, some kind of morality that, that Jonathan and Martha Kent have given him, then you know, he just feels like you know, some other kind of super being God that you know, comes into a comic, comes out of a comic, makes an appearance here and there. I think, I think those... Those rules are what make him special, and I think Spider-Man is not beholden to that because Spider-Man was its own; it created its own archetype. You know, teenagers were always sidekicks before Spider-Man, and Spider-Man was the teenager, and he had these problems. And you know, now we've gotten characters like Nightwing you know, out of that. So, I think the power set is a key part of it too. Like, you, Spider-Man killing somebody is different because you could potentially kill spider-man like you can't kill superman like if he just wants to kill people he can kill everybody now and there's nothing we can do about it i think that's where like you're saying it becomes problematic all right um well i'd really like to thank uh our panelists uh, for showing up today and thank you audience for being here um hope you're enjoying comic-con hope you enjoy the rest (laughs) of the day um come everybody's gonna know matthew has a table rob you have a table uh, Alan, you know no, I'm just table. I'm just here. Find him on the floor. Uh, Filmhouse has a table. Come find us too. And uh, <laughs> yeah, hope to see you guys at the movies and the comic book store. Thanks. Thanks.